Thanks for joining us at Reveal, a Jesus-centered community. To learn more about us and what's going on, check us out on the web at www.revealvineyard.com. We hope in the minutes to come, you're able to find God, find others, and find yourself. Thanks again for listening. Well, we're on week three of our New Year series. Um, we all love the new year. It represents new opportunity, represents new potential, new growth. Or really, it represents the new you. It's why we set resolutions. Regardless of what 2018 looked like for you, uh, regardless uh, uh, of where you're from, what your education level is, really, regardless of what your faith is, we're all hoping for the same thing, that 2019 will be uh, the best year ever. But experience tells us that best does not happen by accident. That best takes planning and preparation. I said last week that the natural forces working against us are not pushing you towards your best. They're pushing you away from the person that you want to be, the person that I want to be. The best version of you, of me, will not happen by just picking up our feet and going with the flow, right? We said because the flow don't know. And it will dump you somewhere that you do not want to be. The natural forces working on all matter, science has proven this, is pushing towards decay, right? This is why you have all those weeds popping up in your yard right now. Because it's not pushing you towards a well-manicured lawn on its own. It's pushing you towards deterioration, decay, decline, and chaos. And so that is where the drift goes for all things, including us. It takes effort and planning if we are going to counter the forces that are working against us. In other words, the me that I want to be will never just happen. Spiritual growth will never just happen. A better relationship will never just happen. It takes effort to, to push against the natural forces that are pushing us towards a place we do not want to be. And so we've been trying to plot a course for 2019. We said everyone ends up somewhere. Actually, uh, Craig Rochelle from Life Church says everyone ends up somewhere, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And so we've been trying to figure out how do we get to where we want to be on purpose. Now, we can't review, but you can circle back, listen to those messages uh, either on our website, revealvenue.com, or you can get our uh, podcast. Week three... Uh, I have some life-changing thoughts for us. Actually, God has some life-changing thoughts. I'm just going to echo his words. Uh, As you set a course for 2019, I encourage you to, to heed the words of your good, loving creator who wants to set you on a course that will move you forward. And if you get it and if you apply it, you will look back one day and say, January 20th, 2019 was a life-changing moment. It changed the trajectory of my life. Pray with me really quickly. Lord, uh, speak through your word clearly, powerfully today to all of us that we would catch what it is that you're throwing and that we would apply it, that we would be doers of your great word. And so challenge us in whatever way is needed. Uh, convict us in whatever way is needed, um, but we know that your conviction is not just to heap, it's not about heaping guilt upon us, it's about uh, pointing us in the direction that we should go and then you leading us out. And so we kind of, we push off uh, condemnation and we embrace grace and embrace the, uh, embrace the power for change. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, be with us. In our study of your word, be with us in our giving and our offering as uh, we present uh, ourselves to you in worship, even through our giving, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a guilty pleasure that very few of you will be able to relate to. 
I love, capital L, buying cars. Now, most people think of going to a car dealership as walking through the gates of hell. To me, it's literally paradise, all right? Uh, I love car dealerships. I love car research. I love buying cars. I love salespeople. I love it when the desk manager comes in. Uh, I, I, I love the haggling process. I love sitting in the finance office and catching their mistakes where they're charging $1,000 more for the car. Than, I love all of it. It's just when I buy a car, my wife knows. I'll see you in about a month. As I will hit dealerships. I'll check the dealerships that are giving free lunches on Saturday. I'll just start. I'm not even interested in their car, but it's a free lunch. So, you know, why not? I love it. Well, inevitably something happens in the sales buying process where someone will ask me, a salesperson will ask me, so what do you do? And I will tell them I'm a pastor. Now, nine times out of 10, I will get a response like this because salespeople will do anything to sell you a car. I'll say I'm a pastor and they'll be like, really? I love going to church. I go to church. Now, when I was younger, I would let that slide. But in my old, well, in my better age, uh, I actually like to see them squirm a little bit. And so I follow up the question, I go to church, with another question. And the question isn't, what church do you go to? Because it's too easy to regurgitate the church on the corner that you go to on Christmas or Easter, right? And so my question is, man, that's fantastic. Who's your pastor? Now, this is where the fun begins, because they start to squirm. They're like, oh, my, I'm, I'm not exaggerating. Oh, my, 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 my pastor, you mean the guy that runs the church? Yeah, uh, <laughs> you'd really like them. Good, solid preacher. What is their name? Like, you have no idea. You have no idea. Now, the question, who is your pastor, is the first question that tells me if they go to church or if they are planted in a church. And this is where a problem lies in Western Christianity. Three words that keep us from experiencing a more rich and fully developed faith. Go to church. We've all said it. You have friends that say it. It means something different for all of us. I'm going to give you some advice today that you were not expecting from a pastor. Some of you should stop going to church. Now, some of you that are dragged here by your spouse, you just woke up, you're like, pastor said it, I'm released. I did say it, and I really do mean it. Some of you should stop going to church. Some of you just need to stop going. Now, for some of you, it means something different. Some of you, going to church means you're here every week. Some of you, going to church means you're here every other week. Some going to church is here every three weeks. There's some that are here every four weeks. Once a month, you go to church. Some of you, I'm sure there are a few here that I need to welcome back from our Christmas services on December 23rd. (laughs) Welcome back to church, right? It means something different for all of us, but understand something very important in 2019. God's highest calling for you is not going to church. Too many in Western Christianity treat church as the pinnacle of our Christian experience. In 2019, God's best for you is not just a destination. It's not a building. There's nothing magic in the chairs you're sitting in. There's uh, no uh, enchanted juju floating down from the ceiling. None of that. God's best for you this year is not simply going to a destination. 
And some of us should stop going to church because going to church has lulled us into a spiritual slumber. Now, speaking of slumber, uh, Acts 20 talks about this guy named Eutychus who also went to church, right? He, I go to church and something happened while he was listening to the message. We'll put it up on Acts 20. We're not going to stay a lot of time here, spend time here. But seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus who was sinking into a deep sleep. Some of you get your best naps during my sermons. I see you. All right, that's my service to you, I guess. Sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. I love the way scripture is like Paul was long-winded, would not shut up. When he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. Going to church lulled him into a literal slumber. Eutychus fell out of the third story, hit the ground, and died. Eutychus. Eutychus, too, if you fell out of a third story window. That's what I'm guessing right there. Right? Listen, some of us should be glad that we're on the ground floor and your chair's not near a window. Eutychus, I go to church, but, you know, I'm kind of lulled into a slumber. God's best for us is not simply going to church, but is for us to be planted in his church. This year, God's best for you is not going to church, but to be planted in his church. Look at Psalm 92. This will be our passage. We'll rest on a little bit here. The righteous shall, shall flourish. The righteous flourish like the palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish, there it is again, in the courts of God. Now, let me bring this into modern day terminology. Here's what scripture is telling us in a modern era. When you consider where you will plant yourself in 2019, and we will all plant ourselves somewhere, some of us will plant ourselves in our career. Others will plant uh, themselves in uh, an education. Some will plant themselves in a relationship. Some will plant themselves in a hobby. Some will plant themselves in all forms of entertainment. And scripture is saying, when you consider where you will plant yourself this year, consider planting yourself in the local church. This is what scripture would be saying in a modern day era, removing some of, those, those image, some of the imagery that we don't understand. When you consider where you will plant yourself, and everyone will plant themselves somewhere, when you consider where you plant yourself, consider planting yourself in the good soil of the local church. Look at the language and the imagery. It says that they will flourish. Now, this really isn't a word that we use too often, but maybe we should bring it back. I talked to a lot of people this morning, asked a lot of people, how are you doing? No one said, I am flourishing. (laughs) We should bring it back. Tomorrow, when your boss asks, how are you doing? Say, boss, I am flourishing. Just see what their response is, right? When you go to the gym, Ken, next time you're at the gym, go up to Brent and say, Brent, your workouts are flourishing. Stand back a little bit. It's a little weird for one guy to say that's another, right? And then post it on our Instagram or Facebook page, hashtag flourishing, right? It's not really a word that we use too often, but scripture is, it talks about this idea of flourishing. What does flourishing mean? It means that we are sprouting new growth. It's new life, thriving, prospering, blessing. Here's a good word for us for 2019. The righteous who are planted will flourish. That's something, man, I'll take that for 2019 for my life. 
And then the psalmist compares flourishing to two different types of trees, both the cedar and the palm tree. The cedar is known for its durability, its strength, the pleasant fragrance, and the wood uh, is, is uh, very desirable for building because it's not subject to decay and insects. And then the palm uh, has always been a symbol of triumph and victory, of peace. It was used in early Olympic games as well. Jesus, when he rode in in the triumphal entry, what did they lay down before him? What were they waving? But they were palm branches. It was a sign of victory. And so here, the psalmist is saying something very critical to us. The righteous flourish. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of the Lord. That those who are planted in the house of God, in the church, are growing. They're alive. They're stable. They're strong. They're victorious. They are blessed. I love the imagery here. Now, look what it says in verse 14. It says, they still bear fruit in their old age. Good news for those of us facing a birthday. They still bear fruit in old age, and they are ever full of sap and green. Now, it's ever full of sap, S-A-P, not C-R-A-P. That's a totally another problem, totally another problem, right? They are ever full of sap, meaning they are full of life, they are full of vigor, that their purpose on earth never runs out. That's good news, that God never looks at age and says that, well, you've crossed an age, and so you're going to be put on a shelf. And so here, the imagery, the righteous will flourish, those who are planted in the, in, in the local church, that they will bear fruit even in their old age, that they will be full of sap, they will be green, they will be full of life, even in your old age. I talked to a young gal uh, earlier uh, this week, or last week, I guess, first day of the week, and uh, I said, um, talking about life, she said, I just went back to school. She's a young mom. And I said, man, you should be really proud of yourself for going back to school. I applaud you for that, uh, for, you know, with, with two kids. And, and I said, I've often thought about it. And she said, you should go back to school. There's lots of old people in my class. <laughs> I have to confess something to you. I did not have good thoughts at that moment. <laughs> I didn't say it, but I thought it, all right? Uh, but this idea of... Of lots of old people. Nothing makes you feel worse than when a young person calls you an old person. Uh, but here, scripture says, look, age is not a qualifier, right? Young or old, right? Uh, uh, Paul says, hey, let no one look down on your youthfulness. And here the psalmist says, let no one write you off because of your age. There's a big uh, age uh, uh, span in there that, that God will use us in his kingdom. Now, read it one more, one more time. They still bear fruit in old age. They are ever full of sap and green to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. Those who are planted in the things of God are flourishing, strong, growing, blessed, prospering, connected, emotionally engaged, difference makers, fulfilled, and flourishing. Now that's the good news. The bad news is, is that many of us cannot use this language to describe our lives. Unfortunately, uh, there's a dichotomy of what we read and what we experience. We might say, well, actually, pastor, I'm spiritually dry right now, or I'm emotionally withering, or I'm relationally barren and alone, or I'm hurting and hopeless and searching and reaching, and and I'm longing, and I I can't really relate to this passage. So let's, let's break this down a little bit. Why do we read one thing, and oftentimes we can experience another? Here's my first thought. 
We need to recognize that your life, my life, is a seed. And a seed has remarkable potential, meaning your life, my life, in 2019 has remarkable potential. But a seed can only grow and flourish if it is planted in good soil. A seed can only grow and flourish if it's planted in good soil, meaning a seed has the potential to grow and to thrive and to multiply and to bless others and to produce fruit. But a seed that is not planted in good soil also has the potential to lie dormant, unproductive, unfruitful, and dissatisfied. Who flourishes, Scripture says, those who are planted? When considering where you will plant yourself this year, Scripture says, consider planting yourself in the good soil of the local church. Jesus talks about a farmer and seed and soil in Matthew 13, where he says that a farmer went out and, and was planting seed and said that some of the seed fell on hard soil. And quickly the birds came and snatched it up. And then he said other seed came and it fell on rocky soil and it quickly took root, but the roots were shallow. And when the sun came up, it quickly scorched the new plant, killed it. It was seed that potential was unmet. Jesus said some seed fell on thorny ground, and although it took root, it said that the cares of life choked it out. Worries of life, the stress and the mess choked the life out of the seed. Now, our lives are a seed full of potential. Some have potential and it never goes anywhere. Some start quickly and they fade quickly. Others start quickly and they have the cares of life that, 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 that chokes that life out of them. But Jesus said some of the seed also fell on rich, fertile soil. And that seed took root and multiplied 30, 60, 100 fold. Here is what scripture is telling us, that the seed is full of potential. But the seed has to fall on good soil. Who flourishes? Those who are planted in good soil. Now, let me just talk about what happens when you're planted in good soil. Here's my first thought. is that your roots grow deep and wide. Look at Jeremiah 17. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And when roots grow, when we, uh, roots go deep and wide, what happens? Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried about long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. I wonder... I wonder How many people here today are facing some type of heat in their life? I wonder who here, and I'm sure there are many, who are facing some circumstances that have just kind of turned up the heat in your life. I I, I wonder how many of us are going through some type of drought where maybe 2018 was dry and the soil of your life is cracked and parched. I wonder who has a story like that. And if you're not currently in that story, you know that at one point you were in that story. And here's something else, you know that one day you will be in that story again. Because this is the rhythm of life. But scripture tells us something that regardless of the heat, regardless of the drought, those whose roots have gone deep and wide are able to survive the circumstances that are less than ideal. Those who are planted I'm connected, Scripture is saying, to a deep source that is greater than any of my problems on the surface. If you've never had an opportunity to see the redwoods in Northern California, you need to put it on your bucket list. 
I had the opportunity years ago to take a motorcycle tour through it. My wife and I are planning a tour through it this year on the motorcycle. Um, it is majestic, and uh, pictures just do not do it justice if you've never been there. Uh, these trees are the lar- largest living things on the planet. They can literally grow to almost 40 stories tall. That is taller than a football field is long. The largest uh, tree in California is 379 feet. A football field is what? 300 feet, right? Think about that. They can grow up to 30 feet wide. And what do we do in America? Let's drill a hole through it so cars can drive through. That's a whole other problem right there. Uh, but, but imagine the size of the... If you've, never been, if you've never been there, some of those trees that are on the bottom that have fallen, you stand next to it, and they're enormous. And what's interesting is how these trees are able to survive. They, they grow only in groves. And they derive their strength and longevity from a f- complex intertwining and even a fusing of their lateral roots. Meaning this, the roots of these trees stretch 100 feet in every direction. And so the roots of one tree eventually intertwine with the roots of another tree. And the roots of another tree intertwine with that one. And if you could look under the ground, it is a network of roots that are meshing and intertwining with one another. And what happens under the surface, what you do not see, is that the trees are actually supporting one another. That the reason that they can support that type of weight is because they're not bearing that weight alone. What an incredible image for why we need to be planted in the local church where your roots and your roots and my roots are growing together and intertwining, that underneath the surface we are actually supporting one another. Because there are things that will come my way, that will come your way, that we simply cannot endure unless we have a support system to keep us upright. It's a beautiful imagery of what Scripture talks about. The one reason we need to be planted our roots intertwine with one another. See, here's what I know. Is some, at some point, you will face opposition. At some point, you will face a trial. At some point, you will face a crazy person. And if you don't have a crazy person, I can loan you one. I have several around me, all right? <laughs> but you will face someone that will put your faith to test. And if you are not surrounded with roots intertwined, a locking into one another with other people in the body of Christ, you are more vulnerable. That is just the reality of it. I love what St. Basil says. He says, when we live our lives in isolation, what we have is unavailable and what we lack is unprocurable. unprocurable. Meaning that when I live to myself, what I have, you have no access to. And when I isolate myself, what I need and you have, I can't get it. That there is a mutual giving of life to one another. We'll talk about that in in, in just a moment. When we live our lives in isolation, what we have is unavailable and what we lack is unprocurable. Listen, this is part of why we're doing the What on Earth Am I Here For journey. is because I want to give you opportunity to connect with someone where your roots can start to mingle. Now, A lot of work has gone into this. A lot of effort, a lot of money has gone into this. But there is responsibility on you. I don't know who's here right now who's leading a What on Earth group, but if if you're leading a What on Earth group, would you stand for us? 
Uh, we have 16 of them. A couple of you there, 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 there. Now, I want you guys to stay standing, if you wouldn't mind. Listen, these are people. Here's what they're saying. We are willing to do life with you. We are willing for us, for our roots to kind of grow into one another and to be a support system to, for, for one another. But in order for that to happen, you're going to have to plant yourself. 15, 16 groups that you can choose from that start on December 3rd. And if you do it, if you plant yourself, you will begin to experience something that some of us have never experienced in our lives. And that is a support system that will keep us upright. Guys, you can be seated. Thank you for standing. I appreciate that. Hope I didn't embarrass you. Here's the next thing. What happens when you're planted? You produce fruit. Go back to Jeremiah 17. Look at the end there. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. Uh, Paul talks about this in his church uh, when he wrote to the uh, Galatian church where he talks about the fruit that is not of ourselves but that when we are connected to the spiritual vine that God begins to produce fruit in us. Here's what he said that fruit is. Galatians 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That these things should be increasing in our lives because we have been rooted in the local church and in the things of God. Here's the next one. We're going to go quickly. We're running out of time. Next one is that there is a mutual exchange of life. All ecosystems involve a transfer of energy. There is a giving and there is a taking. And that's what the local church is. Is that you take from the rich soils of the church, but then you also give back to the soil of the church. One of the hills that we die in is that we are spiritual contributors, not just consumers. I understand that there are seasons where we just consume from the soil because we're healing, but at some point that consumption has to turn to contribution or else the soil eventually cannot support life. The life of the church cannot just come from me. The life of the church is all of us with the Spirit of Christ in us. And so there is a mutual exchange of life when we are planted. Planting means sowing into relationships, building and sustaining community, using your gifts and your talents. There are ministries that have not been started in this church because they're waiting on you. I'm releasing you. Let's have conversations about that. What does that look like? Planting yourself means taking ownership of the local church and its mission. And suddenly the church isn't a destination you attend. It's an identity that you embrace. Go to that, last, that next slide, would you please? It is not a destination you attend. It is an identity that you embrace. Now, let me close with this. Um, I want you to notice. I never said you have to plant yourself in the good soil of reveal. I always said, plant yourself in the good soil of a local church. I hope Reveal is good soil for you. But I love the church. And I realize that Reveal is just a small section of something far bigger than just us, the church here in El Mirage. That we are a part of a worldwide movement called the church that's been going on for 2,000 years that Jesus came to establish. And here's what that means. Is that... If reveal is not the church that has good soil for you, I've said this before and I sincerely mean it, I'll help you find a church with good soil. Because you have to plant yourself somewhere 
It's that critical for your spiritual vibrancy and your spiritual growth. If you want to flourish, you're going to have to plant yourself. And Scripture says when you consider where you're planting yourself in 2019, consider planting yourself in the good soil of the local church. For some of us, for many of us, Reveal has been your church. And you've been really good at going to church. And now it's time that you plant yourself in the church. That your roots begin to go deep and wide. That you begin to bear fruit. That you help others bear fruit. And there is a mutual exchange of life. Now I'm going to beat you to the punch as I close on this. The local church, all of them, are flawed. And so if you're looking for the perfect church, and if you ever find the perfect church, don't go to it because you'll screw it up. Because the church is not a building, because the church is a living entity, what Peter talks about, because the church is a living entity, that means that we are the church. And being we are the church, we bring baggage into the church. We're all in various stages of recovery, amen? And so we bring our baggage into the church, meaning that the church will always be flawed on some level. The church is both beautiful and messy at the same time. It is beautiful. Beautimess, let's just call it that. (laughs) The church is both beautiful with you and the church is both messy with you. The church is both beautiful with me and the church is messy because of me. And that's really the way that it should be. That we're all in various stages of recovery, moving on to what God has for us. Now, every now and then, there will be uh, kind of a church bashing season that will go on, both from outside of the church and sometimes with people inside of the church. And sometimes uh, there are some in the faith that want to paint a picture of the early church as being the ideal experience of what the church was always supposed to be. And we'll say things like, in order for the church to remain relevant in, in the West, that we have to get back to the early first century model of the church, and we paint a picture that really never existed. We paint a picture of the early church as if everyone was working together in love and harmony and and faith and fruitfulness constantly, and that's not what was going on. The early church, like the current church, was flawed and messed up, right? It it, it was constant. Um, Dissensions and disturbances that were going on. It's why there's so many letters written to the church saying, snap out of it. There There was issues with uh, false teaching and doctrines that were causing people to stray from the faith. The, the early church struggled with partiality where they were giving more food to the Jewish widows and the Hellenistic widows because we're going to take care of our own. Right? And the church leaders came in and said, what are you doing? James wrote about the partiality where the church was preferring the rich converts over the poor converts and the rich were getting better preferential treatment and the poor's needs were being unmet. And James was like, stop it. Because the church has always been flawed. There's been careless talk and gossip. And at times there was pagan incantation and magical ceremonies that worked their way into the church as if it would bring some ritual healing. At one point, Jewish converts said that the Gentile or non-Jew converts into Christianity must be circumcised before they would allow them into the church. That's quite the membership class right there. (laughs) The, the, The church of Corinth... Paul writes to them and says, I heard that you have a guy sleeping with his stepmom. This is in the Bible. And then he goes on to say, there are things going on in your church that even the pagans don't do. 
My point is this. The church has always been flawed. But you know what the early church did? It changed the world. The modern church is flawed. But you know the opportunity that we've been given? To change the world. The church will always be flawed. There will always be models and methods and somewhere. But let's not look back and say, well, this was it. Or let's not look somewhere else to say that was it. Listen, what is it is where Jesus Christ has preached the Savior and Lord and the Holy Spirit is moving. Amen? Amen. And so before you complain to say, well, the church is flawed, man, I agree with you. We're flawed. I hope Reveal is a place where you can plant. I hope there's good soil here for you. If there's not, I sincerely mean this, I'll help you find a place. But here is what God's word is for you in 2019. You must plant somewhere. And when you consider where you will plant this year, consider planting yourself in the rich soil of the local church. The righteous flourish like a palm tree and grow like a cedar in Lebanon. They are planted in the house of the Lord. They flourish in the courts of God. For some of you, it's time to stop going to church, and it's time to be planted in the church. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, will you? So, like always, you have a decision to make. You can leave and you say, hey, that was good, and the next week nothing changes, the week after that nothing changes. Listen, if you're deciding, I'm planting myself today, then you know maybe you need to get with myself, one of our other staff members, one of our key leaders on, well, what does that mean? There are a lot of areas of ministry that are available here where you make us better. Plant yourself here. Plant yourself in a group. Be a participant in the what on earth am I here for journey. Start to extend your roots. And just understand that when you start to plant yourself, you're going to come across flawed people. That's all of us. And that's okay. We are butamous. Let's pray. Lord. I want to thank you for this thing called the local church and its power and its ability to reach into the darkness and bring a light of hope. And it has always been a beacon, even, even through our wanderings and our mistakes and our hang-ups and the ways that we have messed up. And yes, we are flawed, and yet you continue to work with flawed individuals. And you continue to work with us and transform us and to call us forward and to move us on, and you take a mess and you make it beautiful. And it's not even that you try to cover the mess. It's just that you, 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 you forgive, and you begin to rebuild, and you walk with us, and our mess is just part of our story. And our mess points to you, the one who restores and renews and reconciles. And so, for some of us, We don't need to hide our story. Some of us are hiding our story because we're embarrassed. And we need to be vocal about our story, especially where Jesus intersected our story. And for some of you, maybe that's for you today. Maybe today is the day that Jesus intersects your story. Maybe you've never given your life to Christ. Maybe you've never embraced that idea of of embracing Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins to removing condemnation. Just stay in an attitude of prayer. Understand that God's best for you is not just the forgiveness of your sin, but to, but to put a purpose to your life. 
And if you want to embrace that today, if you want to embrace that life change, if you want to embrace the possibility of the you that God has created you to be, would you just put your hand in the air? Amen. 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 There's about nine or ten of you that raise your hand. I want to pray for you. I bless you in your pursuit of Jesus today. And I bless you to experience all that God has for you. And I speak the word of the Lord over you that your sin will not result in condemnation any longer because Jesus is stepping in and forgiving you. And that condemnation is lifted. And I speak that forgiveness over you by the the blood of the cross that Jesus shed and by the resurrection where Jesus conquered the grave. I speak that over you. And would you just recognize in your spirit and ask God, come, forgive me of my wrongdoing. Would you invite the presence of Jesus into your space Would you just simply say yes? Say yes to the adventure and to the plan that God has for you. And it is your first step in planting yourself and positioning yourself for a new journey with God at the helm. I bless you for your decision. I bless you for your decision. Lord, thank you for an encouraging word, and for being able to hear what your best is for us. I pray we would be doers, that we would be moved to action, moved to action, we pray. We ask this in the great name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Hey, those that raised their hand, church, how do you feel about their decision that they made? I'm very proud of you. Uh, Hey, we're planning a baptism uh, here in the next couple, uh, probably three, four weeks, so be aware of that. If you raised your hand, I'd love to have an opportunity to baptize you coming up very soon. God bless you guys. Look forward to seeing you next week. Hey, if uh, you'd like prayer for anything, come on down. We'll have some people that can pray for you and bless you today.